have enjoyed singing songs of faith with you this morning. It is appropriate for us to do so, uh, to sing songs with thanksgiving and joy, uh, sincere. That's an appropriate way for us to worship the one true God. And it's also encouraging uh, for us when we sing these songs of faith. It, it can strengthen and build up our faith and remind us of just who God is. My name is Todd. I'm on the pastor team here at Holland Chapel. And uh, in June, it's not June, but in June, we're going to be beginning a sermon series in Proverbs, looking at practical wisdom for following Jesus. In the meantime, we're going to be checking out some of the amazing miracles of Jesus. So Bibles are under the seats in front of you. Scripture will also be on the screen a little later, but we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8 today. Last Tuesday, a small plane was headed from the Bahamas to Florida. Mid-flight, the pilot experienced a medical emergency and lost consciousness. He fell against the controls and put the plane in a nosedive. Things quickly got out of control for the two passengers who were on board. Can you imagine... Maybe you weren't thousands of feet in the air, but you've undoubtedly had times when life seemed out of control. Maybe it was a health crisis, a family situation, or, or a, a job issue. Whatever figurative storms you might have been through. In the Bible passage that we're looking at today in Matthew chapter 8, things got out of control very quickly and turned to chaos. Some people found themselves not in a figurative, but in a literal storm. So in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 8, we're going to begin reading in verse 23. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly, a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples were amazed. Who is this man, they asked. Even the winds and waves obey him. Let's take a moment just to pray and thank God for his word. God, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Please open our eyes and our hearts to see the wonderful things here in Matthew chapter 8. Amen. One thing that's, that's pretty obvious that we see when we look at this account is that Jesus can handle the storms. Figurative or literal, Jesus can handle the storms. 
They were on a boat. Fierce storm came upon them quickly. We're talking uh, winds coming powerful and in, in, in changing directions. We're talking rain pouring down, rain that you can't even see through. It was a dark night. The boat started rocking. The water was all stirred up. Waves started crashing over the boat. And while all of this was going on, Jesus was sleeping. Chaos around, he was experiencing perfect peace. Not the case for the disciples. We see that they were panicking. They were waking him up, shaking, we're going to drown. They were very worried, to say the least. Now, this isn't Merriam-Webster, but a Saline County paraphrase of, you know, a definition for worry could be like this. Worry is saying, God, I don't think you can handle this. So we're worried, we're anxious about it because we don't think that God can handle this. We say Jesus can handle the storms, but when we're worried, we're saying, God, we really don't think you can handle this storm. Worry and anxiety is one of the major causes of sleep struggles. We've probably all experienced that in our lives. We've had sleepless nights. Uh, someone is going through a storm of some, sto- of some sort, sort. There's some issues going on, some things that are out of their control. There's some uncertainties out there. And they say it's causing them to what? It's causing them to lose sleep. Jesus was in the middle of this raging, fierce storm, and he slept. Uh, back to the plane story that we began with. Mid-flight, pilot unconscious, one of the two passengers steps up, pulls the plane out of a nosedive and gets on the radio, radios an air traffic controller at a nearby airport. Says, we have a situation here. Our pilot is out of it and I don't know how to fly this thing. This man had never uh, flown a plane before, had no training there, couldn't handle doing this on his own. But the air traffic controller on the other side of the radio happened to also be a flight instructor, had a uh, map of the cockpit of that specific plane that he had never, he had never flown that model, uh, but had a map of the picture of of the cockpit and walked that passenger step by step through reducing the power and landing the plane safely. And that's exactly what happened. And he went to work the next day. He couldn't handle flying the plane on his own. But because the air traffic controller was there, he was able to guide him through it. You and I might not be able to handle the storms that we find ourselves in. But Jesus can, and he can guide us and walk with us through those storms. So we don't have to panic and get into a worrying and anxiety frenzy. When the disciples woke Jesus up, he sees that they uh, can't handle this situation and they don't know what to do. He asks why they're afraid. Look there in verse 26, why are you afraid? And then very quickly, he answers his own question. Don't you hate it when people do that? 
He asks, why are you afraid? And then he answers, you have so little faith. You see, faith and fear don't mix. And so they were full of fear and thus low on faith. And the opposite would also work. If they were full of faith, then they would be low on fear. Psalm 56, 3 and 4, Scripture reads like this. But when I am afraid, fear, when I have things that cause fear, when, 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 when I'm in the middle of a storm, but when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? You see, it's not just faith in faith. It's not just really believing that things are going to work out, but it's faith in God. It's the person in whom we place our faith that makes the difference. The psalmist says, I will put my trust in you, God Almighty. And then, and then in verse 4, I trust in God, the one and only it's faith in God that makes the difference there. We, we could read this like, this like like this. But when I'm in the middle of a storm, I will put my trust in you. But when chaos is all around me, I will put my trust in you. But when things are out of my control, I will put my trust in you. But when I don't know how things are going to work out, I will put my trust in you. I've got a, a friend. Uh, we'll call him Phil because that's his name. And uh, we've been knowing each other for about 15 years and have made a lot of memories together. I was catching up with him a couple of months ago on the telephone. And he had had some, some health issues, a uh, young man, but had had, had uh, heart surgery and so there was some stuff going on there. And then uh, they've got a lot going on on top of that. So he works in investment for a large bank. And then on the side, he and his wife also own two businesses, all while raising a young family. So there's a lot happening there. There's a lot to catch up on. And so he's telling me some of the stuff that's going on, some of the uh, kind of storms, some of the things that could cause fear that are happening, happening in his life. And then he said something. And I was like, oh, man, that is gold, Phil. Uh, is it cool if I share that sometime? And he was like, yeah, 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 that's fine. He said, he's, he, he's telling me all that's going on, catching me up on the health stuff, catching me up on some business stuff, some financial stuff, just, just a, a, lot of, a lot happening there. And he says, I, I, I keep my Bible on my nightstand so that I'll remember to you know, pick it up and, and read it. And he says, all this was going on, and I was, I was like, I need, I, need some, I need some faith. And so he, he started looking for his Bible. He was looking all over the house and he couldn't find his Bible. And what had happened was he got uh, some, some papers about his health and he stacked them on top of the Bible. And then he got some bills in the mail and he stacked them on top of the Bible. And then he got some other, other documents with some of the other stuff going on in his life and he stacked them on top of the Bible. And before long, he couldn't find his Bible because it was, over, it, it was over, overwhelmed with all of those things that represent fear in our lives, with all of those things that call, cause worry and stress in our lives. And, and that's what happens with us sometimes, right? Like we, we know we can have faith in God. We know Jesus can handle the storms, but then the storms come and the rain comes and the wind's blowing and the water's crashing over the boat 
And instead of remembering that Jesus can handle the storm, we start thinking about all those things that are causing worry and stress. We start thinking about all those things that are out of our control. We start wondering what's going to happen. Am I going to be okay? Are they going to be okay? Are we going to get through this? All the while, we forgot that Jesus can handle the storm. You might not can handle the storms that you're facing, but Jesus can. And when we let him, we'll discover that Jesus is even more amazing than we know. That's what happened with the disciples. They were, they were on the boat with Jesus. They had been following him for some time. They had heard him teach. They had probably seen him work some miracles but now, when they experience it firsthand, when he calms their storm, they're even more amazed. So they wake him up. He says, why are you afraid? You've got little faith. And then he speaks to the wind and the waves, and he says, be still. Now, I've got four kids, and so I've said, be still a lot usually not very effective. But Jesus says, be still to nature, and it obeys. The disciples, look there in verse 20, 27, their response, were amazed. You think? <laughs> Who is this man? Remember, they had been with him. They were following him. They were learning from him. They say, who is this man? He was even more amazing than they previously knew. Who is this man? The Apostles' Creed is a statement of faith that was written down in the 4th or 5th century A.D. So we're talking hundreds of years ago. And it answers that question, who is this man like this? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, the Father's only son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. That's who this man is, the one and only Son of God, crucified, resurrected, and alive now, the only way that we can be re reconciled with God, the one who can handle any storm, the one who is more amazing than we even know. Psalm 89 was read earlier in our worship gathering today. And maybe that's where the disciples' mind went when the wind and the waves were still. Maybe their mind went here to this psalm that says, O Lord God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? We think about how great or powerful God is with this. You are entirely faithful. You rule the oceans. You subdue their storm-tossed waves. Uh, you'll see a picture of the, the Grand Canyon. And 
And we, we see that, and we, and, and we go, wow, that's, that's, that's really something. That's, that's amazing. But some of you have traveled to the Grand Canyon, and you, you've, you've seen it with your own eyes, not just a picture. And, and you might say, pictures don't do it justice. If you're there and you can take it all in, it's really overwhelming. Well, that's how it is with Jesus. We can, we can read about him. Maybe you've heard about him and about his power, about how caring he is. But then when you experience him in the storm with you, you experience his power you experience his presence with you when you're going through a difficult time, it's like seeing the Grand Canyon in person. It's, it's even more amazing than, than what a picture might show when you experience Jesus firsthand like that. And that's what happened to the disciples, and that's what's happened with, with some of you. And you're like, yeah, I, 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 I know the stories of Jesus. I, I, I know who he is in print but he's been there with me. When I was in this storm, when I was in this position, when I was separated from God, he forgave me of my sins. When I needed a miracle, he came through for me. When there was chaos all around me, he brought me peace in the middle of the storms of life. And Jesus, oh, he is amazing. And when we see Jesus like that, it changes, it, it, it changes us, it, it affects us, doesn't it? When we are thinking about, about Jesus in that sense, when we're thinking of Jesus, not just what he's done for others, not just what he's capable of, but when we, when we, when we think about how he's saved us, when we think about how he's been there for us, that changes the way we sing at worship gatherings like this. There's a new passion. The words are coming from here, not just from here. That changes the way that we pray. We're not just going through a routine, saying uh, maybe a, a memorized prayer, but we're, we're pouring our hearts out before God, believing that he cares and that he can do something about it. It changes the way that we read God's word instead of just black and white. It's in full color now when we see Jesus as a little more amazing than what we previously knew. Jesus did this miracle, and you say, Todd, do you really believe that this happened? Do you really believe that he was on a boat <laughs> and things were crazy and he stopped the wind and the waves? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I believe it. I, I, I believe that in the first place, he created the, the sky and the sea. And so what is it that he would be able to then control what he had previously created? And not, not really hard to imagine there. And so I believe uh, in this miracle very much. Again, this is not Merriam-Webster, but, uh, you know, in Saline County, we might define a miracle like this. Wow, only God could do that. We see something, something happens, and we say, wow, there's no other explanation. Only God could do that. I believe in the miracles of the Bible. I hope you believe in the miracles of the Bible. And I believe that God still works miracles today. That there are still things today that we can sit back and say, wow, 
only God could do that. There's no logical explanation. I believe those miracles still happen today. Lee Strobel is an author, and he recently wrote a book, The Case for Miracles. In it, he refers to a Barna research survey. Run through a few of the numbers uh, that are there. Uh, 38% of Americans believe that they have experienced a miracle. 38% of Americans believe that, that they have experienced, they have seen something firsthand where they could say, wow, only God could do that. Maybe it was uh, health, uh, uh, healing. Maybe it was the way some other things uh, worked out, uh, lined up. Now, if you apply that to the U.S. population, you'd have about 94 million miracles. <laughs> That's a lot. All right. Well, let's say that 99% of those are actually not miracles. There is a logical explanation when we research it, when we look at it. There's a logical explanation um, or it was just a coincidence, you know, wh whatever. And 99% and of those were not real miracles. You would still have one million miracles just in the U.S. Just in the U.S. According to Strobel and others, who have researched and looked into this, miracles are more common and better documented, including medically, than people generally think. And there are also accounts of clusters of miracle, miracles that happen in other parts of the world where groundbreaking evangelism is happening and God uses those miracles to get people's attention and say, oh wow, <laughs> only God could do that, so there must be a God Jesus is more amazing than we know. And he can handle any storm. So the big takeaway for today as we look at this passage in Matthew 8 of Jesus calming the storm is that believing Jesus brings peace. Believing Jesus, trusting in Jesus brings peace. When we're full of faith, we'll be low on fear. Isaiah 26.3 is a passage of scripture that means uh, a lot to me and is very comforting and brings me peace when I remember this promise of God. It reads like this, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. You will. Now there are some things that I cannot do. <laughs> but if God says he's going to do it, he can do it. You will, referring to not you or me, but to God, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Believing Jesus brings peace no matter what we're going through. No matter what chaos is going on around us. Believing Jesus brings peace. In 1 Peter 5, 7, we're told to cast all our anxiety on God because he cares for us. So all of those things that cause worry and stress, we can cast them upon God because God cares for us. And you'll see on the screen a picture of some dogs. 
And uh, there on the left, uh, that Australian shepherd there, it hangs out at our house, keeps us up at night. All right, and there in the middle, we've got the Nivens dog, uh, Ryder. And there on the right, we've got the Eshes dogs, uh, Prescott and Lucy. And uh, it's a, a common activity uh, that we play with our dogs. What is it? We, 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 we play a common activity, fetch, right? We play fetch. All right, and, and what happens there is we have a tennis ball, and we, we get the dog, and we, 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 throw the t- <laughs> we throw the tennis ball, and the dog goes and gets it and brings it back. And then we get the tennis ball, and we throw the tennis ball, the dog goes and gets it and brings it back. And then what happens is we're doing this again and we act like we're throwing the tennis ball. We keep it in our hand, we put it behind our back, and the dog's looking around, where's the tennis ball? First Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. To cast means to throw or to release Sometimes we're doing that fetch trick with our worries. We're not really releasing them to God. Instead, we're holding on to that worry, tucking it away behind our back. And so we're not experiencing the perfect peace that he promises because we're holding on to it. Maybe we don't think he can really handle this storm that we're going through. Maybe we don't think he can really calm our restless heart while we're dealing with this because no one's ever had to to go through this or feel this way or deal with this uncertainty. And so we hold on to that worry. But the command in Scripture is to cast it, to give it to God. And the promise in Scripture is that he will give us perfect peace. Maybe the miracle comes. Maybe it doesn't. Either way, Jesus will be there with you through it and can give you peace. And you can say, it is well with my soul, regardless of how these things work out. Because ultimately, I know being in God's hand works out. Two questions to wrap this up. Number one is, are you on the Jesus boat? The disciples, they experienced this amazing miracle because they got on the boat with Jesus. If they hadn't gotten on the boat with Jesus, they wouldn't have gone through that storm, but they also wouldn't have seen him calm the the wind and the waves. And so when we say, are you on the Jesus boat, what we mean is, are you following Jesus? Are you a child of God? And, And you can begin that journey of following Jesus by believing that he is the son of God, crucified and resurrected. And by trusting in him for the forgiveness of your sins and to, to bring you into a right relationship with God. So get on the Jesus boat. If, if you're one to respond in that way today, mark it on the Connect card. Talk to one of our friends at the Connect Corner uh, when, when we dismiss here. Talk with another trusted Christian friend. 
and believe and trust in Jesus. And the second question for us today that we can, ways that we can apply this is, if you are on the Jesus boat, are you experiencing the peace of Jesus? Because if you're not in the middle of a storm right now where things seem out of control or chaotic, then one's coming soon, right? We, we, we know it's just right around the corner. So are you experiencing the peace of Jesus? And if not, why? Are you holding on to that worry and that anxiety because hey, you can work it out on your own instead of releasing it to Jesus? The promise is you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose mind, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. We can experience peace. Jesus wants us to experience peace. Uh, let's pray together. Almighty God, we believe that you are holy and perfect and creator of the world. We are glad to be able to gather together today and worship you and look at your word. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, we believe that Jesus was on the boat that dark night and that he <laughs> did something incredible. And Jesus, we praise you. We say that you are amazing. And we believe that you still work miracles today. And when we see them, we praise you and we say you are amazing. God, please strengthen our faith so that as we navigate these worries, these things that could cause fear in life, please strengthen our faith so that we would experience your peace through it. Amen.